It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 386 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called... Hell is where you make it. It is November 18, 2022, and this is Jen. I got a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm going to go through it as quick as I can. I found extra things as I was putting the show together. So I'm going to start off on a serious note. Many of you remember Antonio, who was one of the original hosts of Shattered Soulstone. Wasn't, we were, you know, it was me and Nevik and Brazia, and then Lantonio joined in, and, and there's been a series of hosts after that. And uh, as you may know, he has terminal cancer, and he has a PayPal fundraiser up right now and um, for basically trying to raise money for, I'm, I'm going to assume, medical bills that this kind of thing can, can cause. And I thought it was relevant to mention this because some of you remember Lantonio. He was on Soulstone fairly recently-ish, you know, talking to me. And uh, he's a really good person. So if you want to contribute, there will be a link in the show notes at ShatteredSoulstone.com connected to this episode. Uh, it looks like this particular fundraiser ends in 29 days and uh, it's on PayPal and I'm hoping maybe the community can help out a little bit with that. I know we're going to do that. And um, so it's just, you know, it just seemed important to mention that. He does have a Discord if you want to talk to him there. And I'm going to look real quick here and see if I remember the correct name of his Discord real quick here. Um, let's see. It is Lantonio's server. There you are. Very simply put. Easy to find. You can talk to him on there when he's on there. But I feel like, you know... He's part of our show, part of the history of our show, and it'd be good to help him out if he can. PAX East is going to happen in 2023 in Boston, Massachusetts. It looks like it's going to be March 23 through March 26, 2023. And the tickets range apparently from $3 to $245. And I'm not really sure how they made that jump, but okay, that's what they're doing. Um, so this is what they've wrote about. There's a note at the top of this. In order to keep things fair, we currently have badge limits in place. You are allowed to purchase up to 10 badges of each type. There's a lot of types here. Uh, per household. If we determine that you are ordering under different names or multiple addresses, all of your orders will be canceled immediately. PAX East tickets are non-refundable, non-upgradable. PAX East 2023 requires everyone attending the event to wear an approved mask at all times. And if you don't know what this is, it's describing itself as a celebration of gaming and gaming culture, featuring thought-provoking panels, a massive expo hall, all of this kind of stuff you might expect. There's a deadline. You have to buy your badges before February 12th at 11.59 p.m. EST to avoid the will call line and get them in the mail before PAX East. After February 12th, we will not be able to make edits to your mailing address. The badges will not begin to mail until late February. Uh, here's some policies that they're doing under health and safety guidelines. 
PAX East 2023 will require approved masks to be worn at all times. More information on these policies can be found on our health and safety page. There's a link in there. Children ages five and six are free with a paid adult. Please be prepared to show proof of age online or on site. Sorry, strollers are not permitted in the expo hall at any time. So you have a five or six year old walking around with you and they're going to get tired, but you can't have a stroller. Depends on the size of these kids, too. Some six-year-olds are tall. Some are really tiny. It just depends. I don't know how that's going to work out. PAX East has a zero-tolerance policy that is in red ink, all caps, and underlined, which I assume means there's a link to something. Uh, So it's a zero-tolerance policy for harassment of any kind. If a person engages in harassing behavior, PAX East staff will take prompt action in any form they deem appropriate, including expulsion from PAX East with no refund. Our policy applies to everyone at the convention. Exhibitors, fans, parentheses, attendees, speakers, guests, press, staff, enforcers, staff, uh, enforcers, enforcers. Your job is enforcer. Sounds like a video game thing. Maybe Star Wars. Um, And security are all subject to our anti-harassment policy. Companions for those that require medical assistance will need to purchase their own badges. So if you're bringing in someone that's helping you get around um, or, you know, is medically there just in case whatever issues you have don't kill you, you know, you have to buy a badge for your companion with medical assistance stuff, apparently. There's a whole bunch of stuff about the badges in here. It's a little weird... It's a little weird. It says tickets and or badges for the event are non-refundable and cannot be reproduced, resold, or upgraded. The unauthorized resale or attempted resale of the badge is prohibited and will constitute a forfeiture of the badge without compensation. Each badge must be used by the same person, the attendee, for each day of the event. The event's operating hours, schedules, guests, and speakers are subject to change or cancellation without notice. Each badge is a revocable license to attend the event. Interesting. Interesting wording there. The badge is a revocable license. That's an interesting way of putting this. All panels, autographing, photo ops, special events, show features, and performances are subject to availability and access is not guaranteed and or may require an additional fee. Read Pop, whatever that is, is not responsible for lost or stolen badges. The attendee acknowledges there are hazards and risks of physical injury or illness to attendees of the event and that not all such hazards or risks can be fully eliminated. By accepting this badge and attending the event, the attendee freely and voluntarily agrees to assume the risk, the full risk of bodily injury or property damage, regardless of severity or death, that the attendee may sustain as a result of attending the event, whether or not caused by the negligence or gross negligence of Reed Pop. What happened at the last PAX East, I'm wondering? I mean, this sounds like they're expecting like a giant brawl to occur or something. Um, I'm not really sure here what, what this is about, but they're really cracking down on the badges, that's for sure. And the part about, you know, you have to wear the same badge every day. Like, are there people out there that are, like, going to PAX East and getting a hotel room and then, like, trading off the badge between, like, two or three friends? I mean, how do, how would that even work? But this whole thing about, you know, oh, well, if you die, it's not our fault. I mean, what exactly you think's going to happen there, PAX East? I'm really curious about that and, and I also kind of don't want to know. 
Video Games Chronicle has an article titled Ubisoft and Riot Team Up for Research Project Targeting Toxicity in Online Games. Companies say cross-industry collaboration is key to helping curb harmful content. And they have both those logos in this uh, website, Video Game Chronicles. And uh, I'll read you a little bit of that. Everything I read to you today in the show is going to be linked into the ShatteredSoulStone.com website connected to this episode. So you can find it really easy if you want to look at it again or if you're playing a video game right now and missed it. So here we go. Ubisoft and Riot Games have launched a joint research project designed to combat harmful content in online games. Announcing the tech partnership, Rainbow Six Siege maker Ubisoft and League of Legends and Valorant studio Riot said building safe and meaningful online gaming experiences can only be achieved through collective action and knowledge sharing. The company said the Zero Harm in Comms research initiative, quote, aims to create a cross-industry shared database and labeling ecosystem that gathers in-game data, which will better train AI-based preemptive moderation tools to detect and mitigate disruptive behavior. That's what they've said. Interesting. Maybe. Ubisoft and Riot plan to share the learnings of the initial research phase with the entire games industry next year. Quote, disruptive behavior players are... Hmm, this is an odd sentence. Disruptive player behaviors, there we go, are an issue that we take very seriously, but also one that is very difficult to solve, said Vez Jacquier. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Executive director of Ubisoft LaForge, the company's research and development arm. Quote, through this technological partnership with Riot Games, we are exploring how to better prevent in-game toxicity as designers of these environments with a direct link to our communities. Wesley Kerr, Riot's head of technology research, also commented, quote, disruptive behavior isn't a problem that is unique to games. Every company that has an online social platform is working to address this challenging space. That is why we're committed to working with industry partners like Ubisoft, who believe in creating safe communities and fostering positive experiences in online spaces. And there's a a little more in the article, and there's a related article. Xbox proactively suspended up to 4.8 million users in the first half of 2022. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think toxicity in gaming could be a problem. I don't play every game out there in part because some of them won't run on a Mac and I'm going to be bitter about that for a while. Yeah. Um, kind of, you know, I mean, there's lots of stuff that runs on a Mac, but it, in my opinion, if you go into a game that you're really excited to play, maybe it's a brand new game or it's like the next version of a game that you were already playing, that kind of stuff. And you're hit with a lot of like really nasty, toxic chat I think that could probably kill your mood. It might make you feel very unsafe playing in that particular group or on that particular server, which could lead to the problem of you having to jump to another server or maybe start over a new character or something like that. In general, from what I've been reading from sites that track this kind of stuff um, or articles about it, it tends to target uh, people of color, women, People who sound like women or appear, or voices appear like women. People who are trans, you know, all of this kind of stuff tends to be like an attack point for toxic people that want to cause problems. And, and my opinion on this is it's a good idea to try to remove the bad actors that are there just to harass people for the most part or just cannot control what comes out of their mouth, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I don't mean this in a mental health illness way. I mean this as in a they don't care kind of way. 
The AI thing, though, is kind of tripping me up a little bit because AIs are not infallible. They learn what you give them. They learn from that and they extrapolate from there. So if you're giving them data that's not what you really want them to be targeting, there could be some instances where a player that is being harassed by some other player online that they probably don't even know and the AI might target the person being attacked if that person, you know, starts swearing at the original attacker. You know, it could it could be like incorrect identifying of what toxic behavior is and if you're if you're giving this to an AI there's like that's an AI there's no human intelligence behind this at all that can go well you know that guy we've got you know text chats here of this person following that other person around for about an hour and a half and yelling all kinds of things and yeah you know but the is the AI gonna understand that you know I mean I I don't think the AI is the way with this, but they can give it a try, I suppose. Times Union has an article titled Gaming Giant Files Motion to Delay Blizzard Albanese Union Election. Nobody's surprised by this, I assume. This is written on the 16th of this month, um, and I'll just read you a little bit from that. Following a successful organizing drive, the union vote for quality assurance workers at Blizzard Albany could be delayed due to a new motion filed by the video game development company asking the National Labor Relations Board to impound the ballots until a review is complete. Amid a growing national labor union movement, NLRB ruled last month that a group of 18 quality assurance workers at the Activision Blizzard Albany studio, which was formerly Vicarious Visions. You've heard of them. They helped work on the updated Diablo 2 a while back. Uh, could vote in a union election. Ballots were mailed out to eligible employees on October 27th, with the vote count set for Friday, but will likely be delayed due to deliberation of the company's new request. In the request for review, filed November 1st, parent company Blizzard Entertainment claims that quality assurance testers do not share a community of interest, and that voting should include each of the 100 full-time employees in the Albany office, which would force a second election. Albany QA tester Amanda Lavin said this is the same argument the Albany studio had been receiving for months via corporate emails stating that the unit is a small percentage of the studio trying to make decisions for the rest of the employees. Quote, Activision wants what's best for the entire team, including a transparent and democratic process for all employees. We're concerned that 18 individuals will have the voting power to determine the fate of more than 100 workers, and that's why we advocate for all workers to have a vote, said Joseph Christiant, Activision spokesperson. Lavin, who has worked for three years at the company, known for its development of the popular Diablo action role-playing games, countered that the QA unit is not making decisions for any other department in the studio and has not bargained for other employee wages or benefits. So this is the back and forth. This is what nasty uh, companies do. That's absolutely what they do. They um, try the best they can to suppress a union vote because, in my opinion, and from what I've read on this, if you have a group of people at your company that is pushing for a union and has gotten in contact with NLRB or whatever the relevant union would be for whatever the company does, 
And uh, they're saying, this is what we need. You're not really giving us what we need. We need better. This will help us get this better. This is just for our little group here. Let's do this. And then the company goes, nah, let's screw it up by making everybody in the entire company have to vote on this one little thing that really doesn't affect them directly at all. You know, that kind of stuff. It's just really bad practice. And it makes the company doing it look like terrible, terrible humans, you know? I don't get why this particular company just continually decides that it needs to shut down every possible attempt at a union. If your people, in my opinion, if your people are saying we need something better, you're not helping us, we're getting this, you know, this union group to help us with this, that means you screwed up really big, that you're not treating your workers right, you're not paying them enough, you're not giving them what they need your, you know, whatever that may be, right? And this is not just Activision Blizzard. This is like nationwide, at least in the United States, possibly outside of the United States, but I can't keep track of everything, right? And like Starbucks is unionizing, grocery workers are unionizing, and all these other groups are doing it too. So this isn't just one nasty company holding people back. You know, it's a lot that are trying to hold people back. And I don't get why, because honestly, if you just want this problem to stop, give them the opportunity to vote on their union. See what the vote does. Not pull in all these other people who aren't involved. It's just, it just annoys me to no end. And this is why I don't ever, ever, ever want to be stuck connected to a specific corporation of any kind ever in my life again. Video Games Chronicle has uh, an article titled, Phil Spencer says the Xbox business will become, quote, untenable, end quote, if it remains, quote, irrelevant, end quote, on mobile. So there's a big picture of Candy Crush Saga with all the little candies behind it. (laughs) So here's the article. Microsoft's head of gaming said that Xbox will will struggle to continue as a global business if the company doesn't establish a foothold in mobile. While the company's proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard is often framed as the Xbox maker seeking to purchase Call of Duty, Phil Spencer has reiterated previous claims that the $68.7 billion deal is primarily driven by mobile's mobile gaming ambitions. Quote, the idea that Activision is all about Call of Duty on console is a construct that might get created by our console competitor, he told The Verge's Decoder podcast, transcribed by Video Games Chronicle. While not naming Sony directly, the Xbox boss went on to reference concerns that the PlayStation maker has submitted to competition regulators currently scrutinizing the transaction. Quote, I haven't heard that Nintendo has been sending in any complaints about the deal, Spencer noted. He said that over the past five or six weeks, all of the growth in the $200 billion global gaming business has be- has come from the mobile segment, while console and PC revenues remained, quote, relatively flat. Spencer asked about a recent comment Microsoft made to a regulator about being a small player on PC and mobile said, quote, I don't think anybody needs that quote from us to understand how irrelevant we are in mobile. Anyone who picks up their phone and decides to play a game would see that on their own. And PC as well. Our trials and tribulations over the last five, six years in PC gaming are well kind of documented and we continue to work at it. And I love that the work that the Xbox app team has been on and our PC studio is doing great work on PC, but it takes time. He added, in terms of the Activision opportunity, and I keep saying this over and over and it is true, it definitely starts with the view that people want to play games on every device that they have. And in a funny way, the smallest screen that we play on is actually the biggest screen when you think about the installed base in phone. And it goes on from here. 
It's kind of weird to think about, but um, yeah, here's a here's a quote from the article. Well, sorry, here's a piece from the article. Activision Blizzard said last week that its monthly active user base totaled 368 million for the quarter that ended in September 2022. Candy Crush maker King accounted for 240 million players. World of Warcraft and Diablo Studio Blizzard for 31 million and Call of Duty publisher Activision for 97 million. King has more players than the other Activision Blizzard divisions combined and generates more revenue too. So it was put to Spencer. Microsoft is actually buying the Candy Crush company rather than the Call of Duty one. Absolutely, he responded, and it goes on from there. So that's a thing. Xbox also, uh, on its Xbox Wire, you know, website, I guess, or Xbox.com, has released new games that they're doing. It's the Xbox November update rolls out today. This is from November 16th. So there's some stuff here, and it says connect to your Discord voice channel from your Xbox console. If you want to do that, you can do that. There's a noise suppression on Discord voice and Xbox Series X slash S. I'm aware of the noise suppression on Discord voice because I play some D&D games through there, and it does suppress like background noises and stuff like that pretty well. So that's a thing. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff. It says wishlist gifting and sale notifications Microsoft Store on Xbox. And there's a whole bunch of stuff here. So I'm just going to read you a couple paragraphs. Gifting from your wishlist is getting easier this holiday. When you share your Xbox wishlist from your console or Xbox.com with family and friends, they'll receive a notification to check it out. They can choose to buy as gift and have it sent to you, and they'll receive a notification once you've received it. You'll also get notifications when items on your wishlist go on sale. The new wishlist notification will show up in the guide as a pop-up to let you know when your wishlist games go on sale and what the discount is. New preferences for store notifications have also been added in settings to preferences to store notifications. You can decide if you want to see notifications in the guide when your wishlist items are on sale and more. There's a capture app. We've added new capture apps to your Xbox. You can find them in the capture and share tab of the guide as well as my games and apps. And it offers improved viewing, management, and editing of your game captures. It also lets you copy your game clips and screenshots directly to an external drive. And for better playback quality, Xbox Series X S consoles now provide an increased bit rate for game clips captured in 720p and 1080p. You can live stream with Twitch, Lightstream, and Streamlabs Studio from your Xbox console. There's directions on that. Uh, Controller Rumble for Xbox Cloud Gaming, which is in beta on PC and Mac. You can do that if you want to. There's some recommendations and settings for you. You can ask to join to play people and all this other good stuff in here. I'm kind of interested in the you can send your little clip, essentially, of your, I don't know, say, Diablo 2 game into your, I don't know, computer's external drive or something like that and edit it later. And, you know, that's kind of interesting. A while ago, I can't remember how many shows ago, I talked about... Overwatch 2 and how there was this big thing where they needed everybody to have a phone that would make them give their phone number to Activision Blizzard to um, be able to play Overwatch 2 and then they kind of backpedaled on that a little bit uh, because they were trying to like I, I don't know what their original plan was on how this was spo- supposed to work but it kind of comes down to I think that the companies believed that if we have your phone number, we know exactly who you are, and if you start being a terrible, toxic human, we can just, you know, no, get rid of you by phone number. But the other problem was there are people who don't have, like, an SMS on their, like, you know, 
like their Google phones or Pixels or iPhone or whatever, that was pretty much locking them out of being able to play Overwatch at all. There was a small exception for any people who had been playing Overwatch 1. They didn't have to do that because I guess the game already knows who they are or something. But there's this little update here from uh, yesterday, November 17, on the Blizzard Overwatch website for the news and stuff. And it says, beginning today, meaning November 17, we are expanding the global SMS protect access to prepaid phones, which they wouldn't do before. Okay. We are excited to welcome more players to Overwatch 2 while continuing our commitment to combating disruptive behavior and protecting the integrity of the player experience. This update may take several hours to roll out completely, and we can't wait to see you in game. So now people that have like flip phones or phones that just um, they're prepaid, you pay, you know, you pay this much and then you have to pay again, this sort of type of thing that aren't like, you know, smartphones or whatever you want to call them, they can play too now if they want to. So that's kind of nice. I want to talk a tiny little bit here about Twitter. If you're on Twitter, you know it is falling to pieces kind of with uh, the decisions made by the new, uh, I guess he's the CEO, um, (laughs) Elon Musk, right? And you probably have seen, if you're on Twitter a lot, you've probably seen people you follow, friends of yours, people you've played games with and may still be playing games with, leaving little links about, if this site disappears, here's where you can find me. And I've been doing that with some people. And yeah, you know, like here's my Insta, here's my Discord, here is, you know, Shattered Soulstone stuff. Um, here's... Uh, on Tumblr again, because why not, you know, uh, this kind of thing. So I was kind of surprised to see this, but the Diablo official account tweeted this today. Just in case, remember, hell is where you make it. That's the title of the show. And there is a link for Diablo's YouTube, Diablo's Facebook, and Diablo's Instagram that you can go and follow them if you want to. And... Uh, so that's that's interesting because I think this is like the first company that I pay attention to on Twitter that yeah, quite a lot actually that is kind of making exit plans in case Twitter goes down, which is really interesting because I've not seen a lot of brands do this, but this one is. So that was kind of interesting. And if you want the Diablo. Um, They're on Instagram. I mean, I went over and looked at it. They're definitely on Instagram. So that's kind of neat. And they have like um, different little things and stuff. And there's people that they're recommending and a lot of cool art. There's a lot of stuff from the tattoo thing that they did and uh, just some funny stuff and things like that. So it's kind of neat. I mean, I kind of like the whole gestalt of it, like the the artwork and, and everything. So I figured, okay, I'll just follow them on Insta and that'll be fun. Carbot Animations has put together uh, Act 1 Nightmare Diablo LOL 2 compilation. And preceding it is, it is an ad, but it's a nice ad. You can uh, officially purchase a tiny little plot in, I think, Scotland, and they'll plant a tree, this kind of thing. I don't feel like that's bad at all. That's a thing you can do if you want to. But from there, after they're done with that, it goes through all of uh, Act 1 Nightmare uh, animations of their Diablo 2 compilation. And this is number one of that compilation, so I think there's going to be more. So if you like that stuff, it's pretty neat. Personally, I found it really more entertaining to be able to see all these little videos all in a row 
together, it kind of flowed a little better for me than trying to find them all individually, but it, they'll still be there. And it, number one implies there's going to be at least a number two. So we'll see how that goes. Echo Hack tweeted this. What is your favorite part of Diablo 2? And why is it the soundtrack? And this just cracked me up because Shattered Soulstone has been using the soundtrack for Diablo 2 like since the beginning. Maybe not the first episode off memory. I'm not even sure if we did that then, but we started using the Diablo 2 soundtrack and we never stopped really and every host just used it. So it was just kind of like, it's a really good soundtrack. I mean, you're probably hearing it as I talk now, but... Yeah, that's uh, that's what we did. And we made that choice, Nevik and Breja and I, originally, because we were we started Soulstone before Diablo 3 had been launched or even was in beta, you know? So we needed music, and I, I can't remember. It might have been Nevik that suggested this, and it just has been the show's music since then. Max Roll has a farming guide. It is a Countess farming guide written by Teo1904. And it was, let's see, published on November 16, 2021 and last updated on September 21st. I figure this is Diablo 2 from looking at the art in here and the, uh, the little mapping things. So that's what it is. But if you need to go farm the Countess in Diablo 2, this is a pretty good guide to going in and getting that done. There's uh, things about what runes drop and what difficulty level, where you find the Countess, uh, where the Black, you know, you gotta go in the Black Marsh. There's, you know, four levels, all this stuff. And, you know, you can just keep doing it until you get whatever runes you think you need. There's build recommendations for uh, different classes and what you should be using. It seems kind of neat. I kind of want to go back and continue playing Diablo 2 because I stopped after like the first quest in the second part and just didn't get back there for some reason. But this might be helpful if I want to go find all that stuff and it might be helpful to all of you. And then we have this really weird thing. In my opinion, it's really weird. So there's a, there's a website called Business Wire and it posts press releases. Any company uh, or, or you know, any band or any whatever that wants to get some information out there about, hey, we're doing a thing, you can put it on, you know, make a press release and stick it on Business Wire and they'll just post it and people will you know, come and read it if they want to. This one is titled Blizzard Entertainment and NetEase Suspending Game Services in China. Certain games will no longer be available at end of license with NetEase on January 23rd, 2023. Now, before you freak out, I don't think this means they're taking away Diablo Immortal, okay? <laughs> or maybe if you hate the game, you might wish that was so. So that's not quite it, and I'll read you some of the press release. Blizzard Entertainment Inc. announced today, and today was the 16th is what this press release says, uh, that it will be suspending most Blizzard game services in mainland China due to the expiration of the current licensing agreements with NetEase Inc. on January 23rd, 2023. This includes World of Warcraft, Hearthstone, Warcraft 3 Reforged, Overwatch, the StarCraft series, Diablo 3, and Heroes of the Storm, and Diablo Immortal uh, co-development and publishing is covered under a separate agreement. So Diablo Immortal... Co-development and publishing is covered under a separate agreement between the two companies. But everything else sounds like it might not be accessible in China after January. Uh, to continue, Blizzard Entertainment has had licensing agreements with NetEase since 2008 
covering the publication of these blizzard titles in China. The two parties have not reached a deal to renew the agreements that is consistent with blizzard's operating principles and commitments to players and employees, and the agreements are set to expire January 2023. We will suspend new sales in the coming days, and Chinese players will be receiving details of how this will work soon. Upcoming releases for World of Warcraft Dragonflight, Hearthstone March of the Lich King, and Season 2 of Overwatch 2 will proceed later this year. There's a quote, We're immensely grateful for our passion, for the passion our Chinese community has shown throughout the nearly 20 years we've been bringing our games to China through NetEase and other parties, said Mike Ibarra, President Blizzard Entertainment. Quote, Their enthusiasm and creativity inspire us, and we are looking for alternatives to bringing our games back to players in the future. So to me, it feels like something broke down between whatever contracts they had for, you know, most of Blizzard's games and except for Diablo Immortal, which is done differently. And that's the key parts of this press release. There's also, you know, about Blizzard Entertainment and all of these cautionary statements that they throw in at the bottom. I think the cautionary stuff covers more than what I've just read you. Wowhead has picked that up. Uh, Blizzard Entertainment and NetEase suspending services in China on January 23rd, 2023. And there's a longer statement from NetEase that I'll get to in a minute. But anyway, the there's a, a Blizzard Blue Note here. And it's under... Oh gosh, it's actually under Activision Blizzard. Uh, press release details. And it looks like the same thing I just read you. So we don't really need that specifically, but they did link to it. So yeah, and they they wrote, uh, this is written by this one, Percula, um, if I said that right. This disruption was strongly foreshadowed in the recent Activision Blizzard third quarter 2022 financial results from last week. And here's a piece from that. Currently, we have licensing agreements with a third party covering the publication of several Blizzard titles in China. These agreements, which contributed approximately 3% of Activision Blizzard's consolidated net revenues in 2021, expire in January of 2023. We are in discussions regarding the renewal of these agreements, but a mutually satisfactory deal may not be reached. We continue to see substantial long-term growth opportunities for our businesses in the country. The co-development and publishing of Diablo Immortal is covered by a separate long-term agreement. While China does not contribute a significant portion of Activision Blizzard's total revenue, citing it as only 3% of the company's consolidated revenue, it is an important market for Blizzard Entertainment, specifically where World of Warcraft, Diablo, and Hearthstone specifically are much more popular. And then another one from... Wowhead. Further statements from NetEase, Dragonflight will launch on schedule. This was posted a day ago. Uh, here's a little bit of that. Following Activision Blizzard's... Who wrote this one? Uh, Archimetros wrote this one, if I'm saying that right. Sorry if I'm massacring your names. I'm trying not to massacre them, but yeah. Okay, so following Activision Blizzard's announcement that services in China would be shut down, further statements from NetEase clarify that Dragonflight will still launch on schedule and be available for play with the licensing, licensing agreement until the licensing agreement expires on January 23rd, while promising to continue negotiations to the greatest extent possible. Both have been translated below. 
Here's NetEase news statement translated. Uh, in contrast to Blizzard's very businesslike announcement of the shutdown of services, the first statement is an apologetic retrospect from NetEase News, citing the 14 years history between NetEase and Blizzard Entertainment while promising to continue to negotiate to the greatest extent possible. NetEase said, Dear Blizzard gamers, Due to the expiration of Activision Blizzard's license agreement with NetEase on January 23, 2023, Blizzard will discontinue most of its game services in mainland China, including World of Warcraft, Hearthstone, Overwatch, Diablo 3, StarCraft 2, Heroes of the Storm, starting January 24 at 0000, based on contractual restrictions, while Diablo Immortals service will not be affected. NetEase and Blizzard first partnered in 20, uh, 2008. Over the past 14 years, we have introduced Blizzard's high-quality games to China step-by-step, step, starting with World of Warcraft with and even synchronizing global release. Each time the introduction of the game, uh, we are excited because these games also carry our passion and youth. Within NetEase, there are also several thousand hardcore fans of Blizzard games. Therefore, we are more empathic to the feelings of the players at this moment. Before today, we had been doing our best in negotiating with Blizzard in good faith to seek continued cooperation in mainland China. However, after long negotiations, we were still unable to reach agreement with Activision Blizzard on some key terms of cooperation. Unfortunately, Activision Blizzard has announced earlier today that they are ceasing its cooperation and we will have to accept this decision. After January 23, 2023, NetEase will lose its distributorship and will no longer be able to continue to manage and operate these games that have carried players' memories for 14 years. Next, NetEase Games will do its best to fulfill its responsibilities and serve players until the last moment. We promise that we will do our best to negotiate with Activision Blizzard to protect the interests of Chinese players to the greatest extent possible for the issues related to refunds, game data, virtual property, game rights, etc. that everyone is concerned about. At the same time, we will work with Activision Blizzard to achieve, quote, business-to-business, game-to-game, pay attention to the voice of players, value all that players have paid for the game, and properly protect everyone's game assets and memories. We will continue to inform players of the progress of the work through official channels such as the Blizzard Game Service Center. Once again, we thank all players for their understanding and support. If possible, we hope that Blizzard's departure is only temporary. After the shutdown, we will continue to hold on in our own way and not give up lightly. We believe that those who meet can meet again. And there's a small statement from uh, Blizzard China, uh, which also was operated by NetEase, and it's similar to the other one, so I don't really need to read you all of that. And again, everything will be in the show notes. There's a statement from Simon Zhu, president of NetEase Global Investment. It's very small. As a gamer who spent 10,000 hours in the world of Azeroth, StarCraft, and Overwatch, I feel so heartbroken as I will no longer, not longer have the access to my account and my memories next year. One day, when what has happened behind the scene could be told, developers and gamers will have a whole new level of under understanding how much damage a jerk can make feel terrible for players who lived in those worlds. I'm not sure what they're referencing there, but this is kind of a mess, you know? And it seems like um, Diablo Immortal is probably still going to be available in China, but the rest of these games are not going to be. We don't know for sure what was talked about between Activision Blizzard and NetEase, or if this contract was just simply going to expire at that point, we don't know why they stopped or didn't offer another 
I don't know, partnership or whatever. But you also have to consider that there is a good chance, or at least a possible chance, that Xbox is going to be buying Activision Blizzard officially, acquiring it fairly soon. So maybe they wanted to just get this out of the way beforehand. I don't know. I'm guessing. I don't know what you guys think about that, but it's a little weird. And to finish out the show here, the Diablo Immortal account tweeted this. Diablo Immortal has been nominated for Best Mobile Game by The Game Awards, tagged at The Game Awards. Pledge your loyalty to the Burning Hells and cast your vote here. There's a link, and there's a link to The Game Awards. It's this lovely picture of, uh, like, the original Diablo Immortal uh, with the, you know, Diablo looking out at you, and it says nominee. And then they also have The Game Awards tweeted, at Diablo Immortal, at Blizzard Entertainment. Congratulations on your nomination for Best Mobile Game, the Game Awards. Vote now at, and there's a link there. I don't know how long those awards go where you can vote, but you can give it a try. Again, everything will be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com, and that's where I'm going to end today's show. You have been listening to episode 386 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.